0: For every one minute you spend writing a post, spend two minutes engaging with others. Honestly, I feel like commenting is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate growth hack on LinkedIn.
1: I've got Yasmin Alec here with me, and I am super excited to have him on. He is one of the fastest growing LinkedIn gurus, influencers. Over on the platform, he is posting such great value-add content. And what really Mm. stands him out is his eye for design, his eye for carousels. And I want to know, what is his secret to growing so fast on the platform? What's the journey been? What's he doing? How is he creating his content? So let's get into it.
0: I think I have a pretty easy explanation for that. Essentially, I've been on the platform for years, like the OG LinkedIn, even back when it was just Mm -hmm. a job search platform, basically. Um, But then when it slowly turned into, you know, a content creator platform or more content creator focused, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what it became over the years. I kept seeing my colleagues, my peers, even some people that I've been looking up to. And when I saw their content, I was like, wait a second, I can do this, too. Now, the fun thing about this is I already had almost a decade of experience. I've already worked with some big names. I've already worked with some big clients. I've already built a reputation, especially word of mouth, for myself. But outside of my, like, little bubble, like Upwork freelancing platforms and the clients themselves, no one knew. Like, quite literally, no one knew. So I was like... I need to get out there more. I need to share what I have. I need to share my story. I'm not sure if that's selfish, by the way, but yeah, that was the reason behind Mm. it. I literally just knew I had a really good story. I wanted to share a lot. I'm a teacher by profession, so sharing, you know, it's just something that's innate to me. And yeah, I got on the platform early, you know, 2021. No, 2020. Yeah, 2020. I started posting. Five days went by, I got like zero, maybe one or two likes in total. I quit for the entire year. Then 2021 came about and I was like, you're not going to quit this time, man. You really got to push this through. And I did it for five weeks this time around. I I got some likes, I got some traction, but it wasn't enough. You know, it really wasn't enough. So in 2022, January 1st, I told myself, this time you're not just going to be posting and expecting reactions and likes or whatever, you're also going to be commenting a whole lot. You're also going to be engaging actively with people, uh, DMing, commenting, all that sort of stuff. So I did. And when I started doing both of those things, posting and engaging, that's when things really started to take off. And uh Yeah. This time around, five months went by until I have my, like, first quote unquote viral post. And, um, this time I didn't quit. So five days in 2020, um, five weeks in 2021, mm-hmm. five months in 2022. That's how long it took for me to realize that I can actually, you know, make something on LinkedIn, create a, create a really good, strong brand. And, um, yeah, I think we're at around 60,000 followers, something like that right now, which is a, good number for LinkedIn and I couldn't be happier. I'm just sharing. Honestly, I'm just having fun. There's no great big mission behind it. I'm literally just sharing. Uh, I enjoy sharing. Honestly, that's, that's, that's the why that's why I do it.
1: I mean, 60,000 is a very impressive number, no doubt for those listening on. But what's so cool is to actually just hear the journey that, you know, that this is your third time around. So, you know, you, went in there gave it a go you went in there a second time still no and then you kind of sounds like you unlocked the secret which is you need to actually also engage dm comment on others so that then they check out your stuff and that's really probably the bit that most people fail to do because they think oh i don't have enough time to even create content let alone sit there for hours and, and and you know comment and i think I think because they also feel like, oh, what, what am I going to do? Comment. Like that's, that's another form of content creation. And I see that. Um, like, can that also be done for me? You know, <laughs> and us content creators are like, okay, we can get you so far, but there's got to be an element that we've just freed up all that time for you to now engage with. Do you think that's the, um, do you think that's the key secret to, you know, really winning on LinkedIn?
0: I do personally, I do. I'm actually really known for my comments, at least in my network and among my followers. Um, I'm I'm pretty known for for how I do comments and how I approach commenting as a strategy. Um, I feel like at least the advice that I give people and the advice that I give to other folks working with me on these um, LinkedIn strategy sessions is for every one minute you spend writing a post, spend two minutes engaging with others. Um, honestly, I feel like commenting is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate growth hack on LinkedIn, because when you think about it, really like when you post something, especially if you don't have a large following, when you post something, it's only for your network. It's only for your first, second, third connections, whatever, and your followers, like your network. It doesn't go beyond that unless it really pops off and goes viral, but when you're actively you know, staying engaged and active in other people's networks, all of a sudden you get this ripple effect where you, instead of, um, you know, just stay in your own bubble, in your own network, you actually pull people from other networks into your own. So you're kind of expanding strictly by going out of your own zone. Um, It's kind of like sightseeing around the city. You know, if you're only downtown, you're only going to know the downtown. You can't say You've, you know, been all around Melbourne or Sydney if you've just been downtown. You actually have to go and explore all the other parts for you to actually be able to say, hey, I've been, you know, at this place. I know this place by heart. Same goes with LinkedIn and, I've, and comments, I feel, because, you know, staying in your own bubble is only going to get you so far. But actually getting out there, actually putting your name out there and just staying top of mind, that's what pulls people in ultimately back to you. And that's something I do on a daily basis quite a lot. I don't post every day. People think I do. But I have a pretty good explanation as to why they think I do because I'm always in their feeds. I'm always commenting on other creators' posts, and I do so throughout the day. And, you know, when you're just constantly shown to people in their feeds all day long, they think you're on the platform 24-7. I'm not. I'm really not. Um, and people don't even realize that I don't post on my own profile every single day, but I do post comments, you know, on other people's profiles every single day. So it kind of evens itself out, but what it boils down to is basically just staying top of mind. Um, you know, you're always out there, and when people finally follow you or when they add you, send you that connection request or a DM, 90% of those messages are Hey, I keep hearing about you. I keep hearing good things about you. Hey, I see you everywhere. That's because the strategy, you know, commenting strategy works. Um, Just put yourself out there actively and there's absolutely no way, not a chance people don't come back to you.
1: I guess some people say I always am commenting on these top creators, but they never comment back on my stuff. Should then the strategy what would be our advice, I guess, to those people? Should they be commenting on someone that's going through the same journey as them? Because sometimes, you know, top creators are getting constantly tagged, or, you know, they're, they're missing back to it. So what would be their strategy if they're kind of starting this content journey?
0: I, I posted about these the other day on my profile. And I like my approach to this is find the people who are close to you in terms of following. If you have 5,000 followers, go and find some people around the 5,000, you know, follower mark or five to 15, five to 20, like in that range. But also as you do that, for example, create a list of 10 or 20 creators. And what you're going to do with that list, you're going to engage with every single post as soon as they publish. Obviously, it's a given that you need to find creators who are active on the platform, not just people with the same amount of followers. Um, You actually have to find people who are active and posting daily. But also, find some, quote-unquote, bigger creators, maybe above 20,000, above 50,000, and also try to find creators. This is a very um, big filter, if you will. Find those creators As Melanie said, a lot of these big creators don't respond to their comments. So why are you commenting? Why are you putting yourself out there when you know you're not going to get anything in return? Find creator accounts who respond to their comments, who actually care about, you know, the people that engage with them. So that's key. So create like a list of 10 to 20 creators with a lower number of followers and also create a list of 10 to 20 creators with a slightly higher number of followers. For example, where you want to be in, let's say, six months or one year. But make sure that every single one of them posts daily or at least consistently, maybe like three to five times a week. And also make sure that every single one of them is actually engaged in the comment section. Um, What what that's going to do is you're actually just going to keep putting yourself out there. You can always count on your comment getting seen by other people you can almost always count on people reacting to your comment like liking it people responding to your comment and actually starting a conversation you know uh, underneath your own comment and you can actually just meet people in the comments like a lot of my followers and a lot of the best people i know on the platform these other creators we met in the comments and there's this snowball effect down the line that happens where if you comment on a certain person's post 10, 20 days in a row and they respond 10, 20 days in a row to you, most likely they're also going to do the same for you. They're going to start following you. They're going to start commenting on your own posts. Um, and that's what happens. Honestly, I can just tell you from personal experience, that's what happens. People think there's this sort of pod movement, which there is with a lot of these big creators, but for, for the strategy that I'm talking about, like, it's just, you know, give and get back, basically. Um, A lot of these creators who I comment on, like, their posts regularly, they also comment back. And people think that we're best buddies, that we have this network, mm. that we have a secret group chat or a secret channel. We don't. Like, quite literally, we don't. We just, you know, have conversations in the comments every single day. And um that's how you create these friendships. That's how you create these connections, honestly, just. Go out of your way to create a list for yourself. And also, there's a there's one key thing. If you can, add an additional layer to that. Um, try to insert the times, like the exact time and minute mark, hour and minute mark, when they post. Because if you can get there early, like within the first five or ten minutes within posting, that's you know a really good opportunity for you to get your comments seen even more. Because if you're among the first commenters, chances are you're going to get a lot more likes, a lot more reactions on your comment, hence a lot more people visiting your profile, hence a lot more followers, you know, so on and so forth. There you go, commenting strategy by Jay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jay, I guess the founders who are running businesses and they want to be, you know, sharing their thought leadership, they want to be there, but – They're thinking, holy crap, like this is a lot. You know, I'm trying to hire a team. I'm trying to, you know, run a business. I'm trying to build a SaaS technology product. Like how do I find time in the day to do and be, you know, there? Because it just seems like it's only for people that are influencers or, you know, content creators or people that are doing this for, you know, they get a financial gain um from, you know, selling content or something like, how do I, you know, find the time? Because I think that's the biggest problem. They're like, wow, like this is just so time exuberating. And, you know, I don't even know if it's going to yield in anything substantial compared to maybe the large business that I'm running.
0: I actually might be the perfect example of that because I'm a business founder, business owner. Mm-hmm. I have a team of my own. But I also find time for my LinkedIn activities. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, you know, my why might be more connected to what I do, because I am a teacher by profession, and I just love to share. I love to teach. And that's what I do in my LinkedIn content. Um, for me, it takes around an hour daily, two hours tops. And I get up. I can't curse. I get a ton of engagement on my posts regularly. Um mm-hmm. Easily four or five hundred every single time comments on every single post easily. Um, and I still manage to, you know, respond my 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 thought process behind this is if you don't have the time to like spend a full hour at once, do so. in like little time bursts and little time slots during the day, dedicate 15 minutes to, you know, engaging with people before you post, then hit, you know, dedicate like 15 other minutes during your day to write a post, or you can just write out every single piece of content on a Sunday and just plan out the whole week. Um, If you're a founder, your chances are you're going to have a lot to share. You know, you have a lot of knowledge. You have a lot of insights. You're going to have a lot to share. Um, So I I feel like for a lot of these people, for a lot of founders, and in general savvy business people, writing might not be a problem. It's just the way they engage and use the platform, you know, the time-consuming element, that's what, you know, the biggest factor is for them. So my advice is just do it in time spurts, honestly. Just these little 15 minutes time blocks or 30-minute time blocks, if you will, that's just going to fix everything for you. I spend one to two hours at most daily on LinkedIn. People think I do so 24-7. I don't. I'm just, you know, very much organized with my time. I sit down and I actively, you know, respond to people's comments. That's what I did 15 minutes prior to our call, Melanie. Like, I literally sat down and I responded to, like, 40, 50 comments from my yesterday's posts in, like, 15 minutes because, you know, that's what you should do, um, and that's how you build these, you know, connections over time. So, yeah, in short, do it in little time blocks if you don't have the time, and that's going to create this habit over time for you to do it increasingly more.
1: I agree, I agree. I, I mean, I remember I also had Chris Walker on here who runs, you know, um, like a hundred plus person agency and he said exactly the same thing as you that he finds 15 minute blocks, you know, before a nap, wake up, before, between meetings and, you know, that's the secret. Moving along apart from comments to unveil some more secrets of content strategy and content creation and what I'm really curious to learn and having people that have, you know, really got the attention captured on LinkedIn and are really delivering huge value, but also huge entertainment at the same time, which I think, you know, you do really, really well. I'd like to really understand your content creation process from maybe the ideation all the way to those beautiful carousels, um, that you build. By the way, I had a tip for you. I think you could sell those um, carousels uh, for X amount because people would love the templates, right? Um, That you do because it's just so exceptionally cool all the way to, you know, um, delivering and scheduling posts um, for you, like, you know, all the way to actually it hitting, like what does that process look like for you from maybe if you can start off with the ideation part.
0: Awesome. Well, Honestly, my focus, as far as ideation goes, is always quality. Um, If I want to share something, I just make sure that it's super valuable. And how do I determine what's valuable? I'll typically write like five. Writing for me is super easy. It wasn't always like this, but at this point in time, it's really super easy. I open my LinkedIn. I open my authored up trusty, the best LinkedIn extension you can possibly have because it shows the preview of what you're writing on the right side. And that's how I'm able to, I'm not sure if you noticed, Melanie, I'm pretty big on those formatting tricks that I use, visually guiding the text. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm able to Mm -hmm. see that before it even goes live on mobile, on tablet, on PC. And I'm actually able to preview that. Anyhow, I open my authored up, um, publisher, whatever it's called and i start writing basically whatever thought process i have currently in my mind i will just it will be like a brain dump that's what they call it sorry for Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah that phrase but Mm -hmm. i'll just start writing honestly and i'll probably easily come up with five to ten um posts easily so what i do is how do i select the best one i am my own best judge i feel like and if i'm not convinced I'm not going to post it. There's like hundreds Mm -hmm. of posts that I have, like a backlog of notes in my phone and in the Author Uh, Up app. I've never posted those and I probably never will just because I think, you know, they're not as strong as I want them to be. So my focus is always on quality. Just sit down, write whatever's on your mind currently, like whatever you feel like sharing because um, I feel like that's just going to come out as natural as possible. If it's in your mind at the moment, just write it down, whatever it is. Um, my topicality on my post, like, it goes left and right. Sometimes it's copywriting tricks. Sometimes it's strategy. Sometimes it's just general thoughts about LinkedIn and LinkedIn engagement strategy. Like, there's a bunch of topics that I write about. But the the, the guiding, I guess, the lodestar, if you will, the, the guide star – that just kind of directs how I write is would I have wanted to write this six months ago or would I have wanted to read this six months ago? Because quite frankly, that's who I'm writing. Like I'm writing to the people who, you know, aspire to be greater than what they are right now and where they are right now, you know, inside in their careers, essentially. And You know, that's actually the type of content that I like to consume. Like, I love to learn something new that makes me go, damn, I want to go there. I want to have that too. You know, or that's so cool. How do I do that? And then when these creators actually share their exact process, that makes me go, yes, this is the content I love. So that's just something that's like my guide when it comes to ideation, like content that I would have loved to read six months ago. Um, and mm-hmm. that's how I share it. That's basically how I decide out of those five to ten posts that I write. I just, you know, say, this is the one. And I hit post. It might be a random yeah. thought. It might be a guide. It might be a strategy trick. You know, it, it's just, it, it's various topics for me, but that's how I decide ultimately, you know, if it's quality and would I read it six months ago.
1: And then how does that, writing that you've brain dumped go and become a beautiful butterfly, like the carousel that we.
0: Oh, editing. So is that, you know, your brain dump,
1: then transferred. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Editing. Honestly, just a whole lot of editing, killing a lot of the content. A lot of the copy just dies essentially. Um, My 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 thought process behind deciding what stays a text only post and what gets turned converted into a carousel is if it doesn't fit onto my phone screen, like if I have to swipe down to get to the bottom of the post at that point, it's already too long. Um, I feel like length plays a huge factor and I'm a very concise writer. Like, I love communicating a point in the most concise manner possible. So if I have to provide you with a with a super long explanation of what it is and going deep here into the process, that's a long text-only post. At that point, I just say, just turn it into a carousel. Um, so in a nutshell, if it fits onto my screen, I'll probably post it. If it doesn't, if it's longer than that, I turn it into a carousel. Now, in terms of the writing process, it's really just having this voice in your head or even um, I used to do this. I no longer do because I always have my son with me and I can't do this anymore. I used to read my content out loud or I used to record myself, read the entire thing and then try to catch any sort of flow or any sort of wording, phrasing mistakes And then I would just go back and fix these because if it doesn't sound natural to me, like the person actually saying those things, it's probably not going to sound natural to you, the reader. So just a lot of reading back and forth, you know, reading out loud, especially, and trying to see if everything sounds super punchy and supernatural, because if it doesn't, what's even the point? I don't know. I just take great pride in that. Just making everything sound supernatural, super concise, not confusing at all. And that's why probably a lot of my posts recently have been shorter versus longer. Um, and if they are longer, I just, you know, turn them into a carousel. That's that's my process, essentially.
1: I agree. I think where attention span keeps decreasing and we want more concise, but we still want the high value content. Yeah. So that's the art. In terms of when you're in carousel, is there checklists that you have in your mind that, you know, X amount of words should be per Slide, you know, should it be nice and big so that, you know, that that people don't get overwhelmed? Because we see lots of people jamming lots of different ways of, you know, um, content into a carousel. So, you know, what's in your mind? What's a top quality checklist that we should have when we are looking at creating content?
0: Absolutely. Uh, By the way, first off, I absolutely have no strategy for my carousels. (laughs) I just try to create them. Again, as concise and most, you know, powerful as possible, essentially. I feel like now that you ask this question, I think back and I'm like, maybe there is something I can, you know, give as an answer. I have noticed that I don't like it when my sentences are like four or five lines long, especially because I tend to keep certain slides one sentence only. And then if the sentence, you know, it's super long, I feel like that slide is like super overwhelming. If it were more sentences, like multiple sentences, multiple shorter ones. OK, but if it's just one sentence and even that one sentence is super long, uh, I try to make it shorter. And this is something I think I subconsciously do um, because I don't know. I just feel like the best content is the one you can understand on the spot. You know, like, if I make you think a whole lot about it, that means I haven't done my job, a good job teaching. I haven't done my good job, you know, sharing. So that's, I think, one thing. I don't like super long and super large, chunky blocks of text, um, especially if it's one sentence per slide. Um, But I also like including screenshots as social proof. Um, I feel like that's super strong. I also like to, like, for example, if I'm, telling you here's how to do XYZ, like the very next slide is going to be a screenshot of a post or a screenshot of a comment um, that literally demonstrates what I just showed you how to do. Um, Or if I'm not using screenshots, I tend to use the, you know, no versus yes technique or the X red symbol icon versus the green yes tick icon. Um, I like to have these, you know, very clear contrasts of what to do and what not to do. Um, I think those are three very repeatable elements of every single carousel I've done. By the way, I don't do a lot of carousels. Like I actually don't (laughs) people.
1: They're time consuming.
0: They're time consuming. But the thing is like, if I'm doing a carousel, I make sure it's legit. Like I make sure it's a really good one. I'm never counting on, my carousel is going viral, mm. but because I feel like I invest so much time in the quality of them, every single one of them so far has gone viral. I don't think I've done more than 10 carous- No, not even 10, five, six, seven <laughs> at most the yes. entire year so far, Melanie. And every single one of those has been a smash hit, which is to me just super good. You know, I feel good about that, but You know, there's a misconception on LinkedIn that, yes, mean, you know, Jay does a lot of carousels. I don't, actually. I don't. Like, I think just in the last month, I've only dropped one. It just so happened that it went viral again, you know. But I just felt like I needed to say that because people do have this misconception about me. I don't do a lot of carousels. I don't. I really don't.
1: I just think the carousel design is so standout when you're scrolling. Like, it's such a showstopper. And I think... Because maybe you've got like a real eye for maybe design as well. So for me, it's really super clean. You know, that's what I really appreciate. Like it kind of like just stops and I'm like not overwhelmed by it. You know, this and there's exceptional content creators that I love their content and sometimes it's just um, the design and the UI, UX, people would say, of a website, but same thing here, doesn't maybe – It makes you feel like, oh, can I really digest all this? Where yours is like kind of like, yes, I want to. And it's not like you're just trying to do it in a carousel just because, you know, the LinkedIn algorithm is, you know, going to push it up because of the format. I think it's truly like almost like a story and you want to keep scrolling because the design is so, I don't know, it's just so welcoming. And I love the fact that you can always identify it. You know, the brand colors are always identifiable okay that's that person and I love that and that's something I think you know when I try and work with clients or I try and think about mine I'm like yeah this is like you know you really want to you really want to do it and some some people they're just like I don't care about the design because I want to be authentic you know that's just they don't have a design eye, so they want to be authentic to their brand and I'm cool with that too like no one's saying to go outside and be what's not you like if you're naturally a messy person and that's how you like to do it like you want to go you know I'm scrappy and you know I've done it myself I also appreciate that but I think yours is like really on point in terms of design so would you say then you also have a really nice design eye of how you want to present your
0: well, not, self now artistically? that you've described me like that I have to say it honestly it <laughs> might be the best compliment I received all week thank you for that um I do like to think I have a good eye for design, but that's only because I've worked with a lot of really good designers and just creative people over the years. Um, I've learned and just absorbed everything that they've done over the years. And, you know, I do everything in Canva. I'm not a designer by any means, like Adobe and all that. I Mm -hmm. don't use any of those. I never have. I do everything in Canva. And I don't know, I just feel like, I don't know. Like, I love good, clean design, and um I love that you said that my designs do stand out because, quite frankly, I have avoided doing carousels for the longest time. I feel like the algorithm on LinkedIn started favoring carousels probably, like, July or August last year. That's when the real yes. push for, you know, yes. carousels, you know, really became apparent, and I just avoided doing any carousels up until like November or December even because I wasn't confident that my design was super unique and it was, you know, super noticeable or recognizable as Jay's design. I wanted that. Like I really wanted that element. I try to do the same with my comments, like the way I write my comments. I got that. People know a Jay comment now. I tried to do a, you know, the same thing with my posts with the formatting tricks and whatever. I got that. People know what Jay's you know what a Jay's post mm. look like looks like now. And I feel like it took me a good three or four months of just, you know, ideation and changing it up in terms of design inside Canva and me finally finding that perfect sweet spot for my designs that's not overly designed, but it's also not super, you know, dead simple. I feel like There's a good, you know, balance inside of that. Um, I don't know. I love it too. And again, it's the same thing with me. If I love it, it. I'm assuming, you know, other people will love it because I'm a really, really hard to please person in terms of messaging, copywriting, design in general. Like I, I will say something is good, but I will not be amazed by it. Like I will recognize that it's good. So. I never settle just for good. I settle for amazing every single time. And I don't know. I just feel like I make it harder for myself a lot of the time because that's the cap. That's, you know, the, I don't know. That's my goal every single time. I don't know. I just make it harder for myself, Melanie. I I really Uh, do. That's what I feel like. I
1: I mean, I totally feel you. Like, more recently, I was like, you know what? I just need a moment to really realize, like, how I want to show up you know, from a design perspective. And I don't know, maybe it's like the kind of sometimes I think, am I comparing or is it just authentically me wanting yeah. to be who I really perceive inside or who how I see myself? So it actually holds me back sometimes more recently from someone that is, is used to like posting every day to being like, wait a minute, is this absolutely me? So I'm holding back content, right, that there's just so much there. But I'm like – it has to feel like me. So I really want to show up. But then sometimes I go back to the content. I'm like, no, I don't think that anymore. That's not relevant anymore. I mean, I've got content there that I was like, videos suck. They're not getting any performance, you know, from like six months ago. And I'm like, okay, now I can't post that or I have to reframe the thought and go, I don't believe this anymore, you know, and hook in like why that's wrong to still use it. And I'm like, nah, just can't be bothered to use that shit. Like, done. Like, it's gone. And I feel um, that in my heart.
0: I really do. I I think, I mean, at the time we're recording this, yesterday I did a post about what makes a pro. Like, what makes a pro, pro? And I said, like, everyone's a writer, like, everyone can write, but not everyone's a copywriter. Like, anyone can Mm. cook a meal, but not everyone's a chef or even a good cook, you know, so on and so forth. Or everyone can use Canva, but not everyone's a designer. Everyone can use ChatGPT, but not everyone can have a, you know, really good conversation as a human blah 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 and then a lot of the comments like i had some really good discussions in the comments with people it basically someone brought up the point that wait a second even pros have to learn like even pros have to keep up with being pro you know staying pro and getting to that next level so what it boils down to there's levels to becoming a pro And there's also, after that, levels to being a pro. You know, like, there's different levels of pro as well. So I think that's what we're suffering from, Melanie. Like, we're not easily (laughs) pleased. Like, we're always trying to reach that high level of professionalism in everything we do, just trying to make it as unique and authentic and memorable as possible.
1: I mean, I posted, like, a a snippet from Richard Moore because everyone was asking because he spoke to me last week, right? And I looked at it later and I had it on my feature and I was like, I can't feature this anymore because it hadn't been edited, right? I'd literally taken a snip like we've talked and I've put it out there and I looked at all the other snips, which took me longer to get out because it went through a process as a background, you know, everyone's close on the face. And I was like, okay, I wanted to give out the value, but then I didn't go through the process. And then I had this regret because I want every piece to really, you know, have its moment and So, yeah, it's just kind of a – and, you know, I'm not like one of those people that are, like, really trying to prove that I can't be – I need to be consistent, like I haven't done this for ages. So I'm not trying to prove that to myself. I think what I'm trying to prove is, you know, that I'm showing up the way that I want to show up, which includes, of course, LinkedIn, which I'm fascinated by and I want to keep giving value and talking to the top creators within this space to actually unveil – what it is because I'm fascinated and I want to keep growing so you know hanging around the best of the best is how you do that um, but yeah like I just kind of went yeah that it didn't end up for the rush of it right um, and for someone that doesn't need to prove that I can be consistent someone that's consistently been consistent for three years that's not a thing that I'm trying to check off like yeah I can be consistent like yeah I can be consistent but I also need to make sure that I'm showing up. As a pro, what you're saying. um, Exactly, exactly. There's (laughs) levels to this, right? Like you have to lean
0: yourself (laughs) and make sure like you're satisfied, you know, in order for other people to be satisfied as well.
1: Yeah, and that sometimes means foregoing that consistency mindset, right? Because sometimes you get into this rat race. We talk about the rat race in corporate, but we can also talk about the rat race of content where you're like, oh, my God, I didn't post at all in the last two days, What's going to happen? Everyone's going to forget about me. Like, that's it. It's all over. I'm never going to get anywhere in life. You know, we can get kind of obsessed with that, too.
0: It happens a lot, especially for me, because I don't post every day. And sometimes (laughs) I just force myself to post on certain days. And then when a post, like, doesn't hit a thousand likes, I'm like, damn, I know I shouldn't have posted that. But, no, like, at, at the end of the day, for me, it really doesn't matter Um, as long as the, you know, like following grows, it doesn't matter, but it also does matter. I'm one of those people who think it does matter as long (laughs) as people, you know, like buy from you, as long as people want to work with you, Yeah. as long as people keep tagging you everywhere, you know, like this helped me, Hey, Jay's doing this. Hey, learn from Jay, blah, blah, blah. That's what it boils down to, to me, honestly, it's not the numbers per se, it's the authority And the effect you have on people's lives and people's careers. Like the authority obviously is a selfish reason for me and what I want to do long Mm -hmm. term. But, you know, building authority means creating impact. And it's just this, I I don't know, snowball effect where I feel like you feel it everywhere. People feel it everywhere. You know, Um, if you're making an impact with the stuff you share, that's all that matters. Honestly, everything else is just a good side effect. Honestly.
1: Do you know um, there's two types of audiences? I was looking at my audiences, right, of when I was talking to my um, growth team and they were like, there's two types. One, I want to get leads from LinkedIn. That's that's all they care about. That's their number one thing. And they want to get conversions and leads. There's another audience that wants to get huge awareness and yep. they actually are not focused on leads What's really interesting that I've kind of been you know, toying with in my mind is those that want leads, they can get the leads and you don't actually have to get a lot of impressions to get the leads. You just have to kind of go in there, be really niche and say, you know, this is your problem, this is what you can do to solve it and then, you know, drop it, drop in and, you know, here's X, Y, Z. And then there's this other brand awareness piece. If you want brand awareness, you've got to get personal, you've got to – get and resonate with a whole much more bigger audience than being really niche. So um, when you're coming up with content strategy, you know, that's something I'm thinking about all the time. Like, what does this person want? Like, why are you doing this? And if you're not clear which where you sit, and there's probably people that sit in other places, but the people I deal with, I find that my clientele sit over there, they're coaches or consultants and they need the leads, right? And there's this other format of, I really want attention. I'm doing this for a long term. I've got bigger visions for myself, right? Um, and I've, I think you sit over on that side of, you know, there's something bigger that's brewing that will happen in my life that this will end up being so big for me in the bigger scheme of legacy and so much more. Do you kind of see that, like, frame of are dealing with clientele, like, you know, where they have those two mentalities? And does your content strategy then – Change for those two types of audiences.
0: Yeah, I definitely know it is that. Um, I feel like in terms of the content that I write, I absolutely don't care because I just post what I feel is right at the moment. I don't like as a brand strategist, I probably shouldn't be saying it, but I feel like for my own personal brand, I have the luxury of doing whatever I want, you know, just doing what feels right for me. And i don't know i think it's that thing where you know you explained it like i feel like i'm creating something bigger like i'm not just creating a following i'm literally creating something that is going to live long term in terms of content in terms of the impact in terms of the like really unique techniques that i'm using and i know they're unique because i created them like i didn't learn this Mm -hmm. stuff and when i share it with people then they're like oh my god this is you know super great this is the most amazing thing ever and that to me crushes everything else. Um, And the thing is, I get leads based off of that anyway. Sure, I could get more leads if my content was even more focused on, you know, social proof and results and just constant case studies and success stories and things like that. Like, that's the real lead gen strategy. But I just get tired of talking about those things all the time. Like, I really want to create a much bigger impact. Um, So for me, it's like I just – post what I feel is right, I post what I like, I post what I enjoy, and I just post the stuff that I know might be useful to other people. Um, that's what it boils down to to me. And I think leads through all of that, I'll still get leads, um, new followers, I'll still get new followers, and the numbers at the end of the day truly don't matter. Honest, I don't know if it's just me, but I legit don't care about the numbers. I I recently had a talk with Teslim. Uh, I think you also had Him as a guest over here, Mm -hmm. um, we agreed on the same thing. Like, despite us, you know, the two of us really being involved on the platform and really doing our best to share everything, at the end of the day, we don't care about numbers. Like, we legit just don't care. Like, if a post flops, if a post does really well, it doesn't matter because you're just sharing to help or you're just sharing because it feels good. And I feel like at least for me, that's the ultimate recipe for success. Like don't get overly attached to numbers and just metrics and whatever, because if you do something consistently and if everything you do is of quality, the numbers are going to come anyway. Just don't get too hooked on the numbers. Get too hooked on the quality and the impact. That's at least my advice to anyone doing it.
1: And when you are dealing with content strategy for your clients and they're saying to you, this is what I want, are you giving them the same advice or are you strategically thinking about how they should write content to get their particular goals? Because maybe they don't care yep. about anything else but that, right? So they're a thought leader and they just want the niche and that's all they yep. – or do you, do you think that's just narrow-minded and you will try and coach them into understanding that this is – about you sharing 360 and changing their perspective, like which way would you go?
0: I will tell them this story, by the way, always. Like the literal thing that I just told you, I will tell them. But what it boils down to is what do they need right now in terms of business? Because I feel like the way our businesses are set up, like content creation is one thing. We still have our own businesses to run. We still got money to earn. We still got people to pay Our teams to pay, you know. So – for every single one of the people that I work with, that's different. Like some of them rely on LinkedIn solely to, you know, to get their income. Some of them have LinkedIn as like a side piece. I hate that phrase, but like an additional stream of income. Um, Some of them only want to use LinkedIn to build some additional authority and they already have their businesses built out and they have a steady stream of income, things like that. So I feel like, When I advise clients on strategy, it really depends on where they are in terms of business outside of LinkedIn, because the question is, how much impact is LinkedIn or your LinkedIn strategy going to have on your business? If you already have a business that's super set up, or like the bigger question is, if LinkedIn as a platform died tomorrow, would your business survive? For me, I feel like the answer is hell yes, like I don't rely on LinkedIn to survive or to keep my business afloat. But a lot of people do. So, you know, the way I advise on strategy really depends on their answer when it comes to that, like, how much do you rely on LinkedIn at the moment? And just long term, how much new business do you want to get from LinkedIn or new revenue? Um, And that's how I advise them on strategy. And depending on their answer, like, if their goal is just to increase authority, they already have a business, you know, that's well built, well established, they don't care about, leads and all that they just care about making an impact and you know creating something for themselves in terms of brand authority positioning themselves as a thought leader but if it's like somebody who wants to i don't know earn a lot of money from linkedin get those leads get those consultations get those bookings all the time that's when the strategic approach is a bit more structured you know a bit more focused so i hope that answers your question by the way but yeah boils down to it really depends on how their business is performing outside of LinkedIn. Yeah.
1: Going back to you're advising them. So in, okay, they say, okay, I need business from it. And how do you then go about then curating content from these people? Are you telling them, like, just put your notes down? Or are you meeting with them, like, on your strategy call for an hour and then you'll sketch them, like, hey, these are the topics that I would advise that you speak on? Like, how do you coach people on how – They've never, ever had, you know, that muscle training of, yeah, I'm just having a moment of thought. Let me just put that down in notes. It's a training. So are you kind of speaking to your clients for an hour, digesting their thoughts, and then, you know, from that pushing into what they could put out, or is there, you know, are you coaching them on how they can actually curate content and dump that to you?
0: Yeah. So I have a really good process for that. Like we will get on these, discovery calls or LinkedIn power hours. That's what I call them in my Calendly, LinkedIn power hour. So what we will do is together we'll figure out what they already know. Because for me, like your content has to be, has to sound supernatural. Like you actually know what you're talking about. So one of the bigger questions I ask them is what is something you could talk about for hours and hours on end? Like if we were to start a conversation right now on a like business topic, or at least something that's related to your career, what is that topic? Like, what is something you can talk about? For me, the answer is simple. Copywriting, brand strategy, marketing in general, what makes a good ad? You know, mm-hmm. uh, what does a good personal brand look like? Um, How mm-hmm. should people behave and how shouldn't people behave on LinkedIn? Like, these are all topics I could talk about for hours. And then yeah. I give them these examples. And then they usually have this reaction. Ah, I feel you. I get it now. Mm-hmm. And then for them, the answer is like, for me, these would be the topics. And then, okay, we create a list of really strong topics for them, like, that are close to their heart, close to their expertise. And then the next question is, which one of these will reflect your brand authority the most? So, for example, I know a lot of – I can talk about design for hours, but I don't want to be known for my design thought leadership, right? I can talk about – advertising and what makes a good ad, but I don't want to be known as the ad guy as the advertiser. But when it comes to copywriting and brand strategy, that's what I want to be known for. I want to be known as the strategist, the uh, strategist copywriter or the copywriter and strategist. So for them, we kind of go through, you know, for the clients uh, that I work with, we kind of go through that same exact process. We figure out what they already know because it has to be natural. Then we pinpoint the exact thing that they want to be known for. And then we sort of work out a content strategy for them in terms of topics that they could write about, subtopics, and then subtopics of subtopics. Like we really get granular. Um, the main message that I like keep sending them and I keep telling them is keep your posts focused. One post, one topic. Don't yes. go into two topics or even one and a half. One post, one topic, one message. So – it takes a while for the like for a lot of for a majority for the majority of people that I work with that's the biggest challenge for them like they just feel like they have to share this big you know they have to unveil this huge secret in their first post no keep it super granular like if we're talking about LinkedIn profiles I'm just giving you a random example mm-hmm. one post could be how how does a um perfect LinkedIn banner look like But even that, I feel like, even that I feel like is a super broad topic. Like, how does a LinkedIn banner look like? It might sound specific and super specific. Mm -hmm. To me, it's still super broad. Like, I would help them break it down into more granular pieces even more. For example, what sort of copy should go on your LinkedIn banner? And then even with the copy, should you ask questions in your LinkedIn banner? Should you include Mm -hmm. your mission statement in your LinkedIn banner? Should you add logos in your LinkedIn banner? How to add logos in your LinkedIn banner? How to, you know, what sort of photos? Like, like create granularity for every single topic. Now all of a sudden from this big message you wanted to share in the beginning, you got like 40, 50 topic ideas. And if you don't post every day, let's say if you're posting only three to five times a week, you got months worth of content Hmm. and you can still build up, you know, build on that. You can still add to that. You can still. Um, change stuff you can still figure out new things to talk about um, as time goes by but yeah um, I feel like we get over that hump of what do I talk about pretty easily Mm -hmm. and this is essentially my process I'll send you my invoice later Melanie but yeah this is essentially (laughs) my process
1: (laughs) awesome awesome now this client then goes away and if I'm that person I go away and then I'll keep dumping thoughts like you do into your notes on those topics that you set up, and then if I was working with you as a copywriter, but I know you're, like, booked out for, like, the next 12 months, so some people this is the best that they're going to get in terms of being close enough to you listening to this. So would I go away with the topics of doing the power hour with you, which you can book through your feature profile. If you go on to Jay's, you can actually book a power hour with him. Um, With my client, I'm actually talking to Jay at the moment on how he could potentially work with them to actually – build this out because it's actually not available right now for copy because it's actually booked out so this is what you could do with jay if you're listening to this is get those topics um in so if they've got these topics from you they do this power hour do do they go away and then just kind of expand on that themselves and write that out so that they try their best at copy and if they then want to go back to the copywriter if that was you if you were available and then you would like you know make it LinkedIn um, friendly because I'm sure people will still write, you know, too much and so forth. And then they would come back to you on a Google doc or something and go here, here it is. Thank you so much.
0: So what we do is I have another booking format in my calendar. It's called content review, content clinic. And we will actually get together for, for an hour. um, And we will review the content together. And these content clinic sessions, they look different for everyone depending on the the length of the content, the format, what you're trying, depending on how developed it is, essentially like on some of these sessions that I have with, with people that book the content clinic session, sometimes we'll just go through a set of like posts that they already have written out. And I'll tell them, this is how this hook should be reworded. This is how this part should be done. I would kill this, get this out. doesn't make sense. And because I'm kind of making really strong arguments that make sense. I've never had any pushback because they know they trust my ability to write a, you know, good LinkedIn post. They're um, constantly just absorbing all of this advice. And based off of the two or three posts that we do together, they will start implementing that knowledge into all their other posts. And there are clients who constantly book these content review sessions. For example, If they have a batch of weekly content, like five posts for the week, they will book a call with me, let's say on Friday, uh, so that we could review the content for the week after. And that's what we do on that hour. We review five posts together. We rewrite them, like literally on the call. We'll go live. I'll go live in the editor. We'll rewrite it together. For some folks, uh, we do carousels together. I never oh. thought I would be doing this for other people but <laughs> yeah with other people but we do that together honestly we literally jump inside Canva let's say and we work on the carousel together but carousels take quite a lot longer the other day super fun story uh we booked a call with one person and his business partner was on the call as well and the way I, by the way, just for for clarification, because you did say I was fully booked. So just for clarification for people, I made a really strong commitment to myself at the beginning of the year that I would work less in 2023. So what I did, I set a really hard cap for myself in terms of availability during my day. Let's say I will work five hours per day. So my five five hours for copywriting strategy, being a creative director, all that stuff. They're booked out for the entire year. Like, I'm not accepting any new projects. Everything else in my day, the remaining 19 hours, uh, they're for my son, 12 hours at least, every single day with him. But I also have some me time, some free time. And those hourly sessions that I'm offering, they're actually eating into my me time. Like, quite literally, I have, like, one or two. I think I only have one session in the morning, like, early in the morning, like, right now, like, this very same time slot and two sessions in the evening time. That's my free time during the day. So I'm legit allowing myself to work with more people and, you know, allowing people to work with me essentially sounds bad. But, um, yeah, I'm literally using my free time to accept these calendly bookings, these hourly bookings. That's how I set it up. So just, you know, not to confuse people, that's how I'm still able to be fully booked but also still work with people on an hourly basis because I'm literally sacrificing my free time. Anyhow. What happened was um, I had an evening off. My son was somewhere with his mom, and I had the evening off. And one client booked this content review session, and we were supposed to review a carousel together, and his business partner was also there. And we spent the hour um, reviewing that carousel, and they were super satisfied. So the first person left, and his partner was still there. He was like, can you stay on the call? I have to ask you something for my own because I might book you for something. And I'm like, sure, yeah, why not? And we stayed there for like two or three minutes, and he showed me a carousel of his own. He was like, how would you help me out with this? And I'm like, well, I just happen to have time right now. <laughs> Quite literally, I, I, I had time that night. I was free. I was off. Yeah. And we immediately stayed for one hour. And as we were doing the first one, he was super impressed, and he booked two more sessions. So we ended up staying four hours total together. One hour with his, you know, partner, we got it done in one hour and we spent the next three hours building his carousel out. Um, so, yeah, people genuinely appreciated that I can give them really constructive feedback or that I can create something super strong for them because they do see it on my profile. They do see that that sort of content performs. It's a it's a different, I guess, I don't want to say level of copywriting and design, yeah. but it, it's just, you know, I know what I'm doing, essentially. So, people trust that people want that as well. so when they book these content strategy sessions or LinkedIn Power Hours or content reviews or whatever, I don't know. I just try to do the best I can for everyone, honestly, Some people just do it once, some people book book me weekly, some people work with me several hours a week. I don't have a lot of free time melanie like i th- <laughs> <laughs> I thought I would have you know like these several hours every day, but <laughs> Um, and the most fun thing about this all is I've never once promoted any of my, um, hourly consultations. Not once in my, in my posts. Not once. People just go to my profile, they scroll down and they see that I have this Calendly, you know, link and they go there and they book their sessions. That's, that's like, to me, that speaks to how effective LinkedIn really is. Like you don't even have to sell. But you will still get those leads. You will still get those bookings. All you have to do is literally just focus on the quality of your content. Honestly, that's I I, I keep telling people, just focus on quality.
1: What a nice way to finish. um, Focus on the quality of content, which I really, really resonate with. I mean, go for quality. Really make sure it resonates with you. Now, thank you so much for your time. Go look up Jay. Okay, if you don't know how to find him, it's all linked in the podcast. His LinkedIn profile URL is there. He's got awesome tips, awesome content. Check out his carousels because I've talked a lot about them and I'm a huge fan of them as you all can hear it as I've gone through the full process. But that this has been super cool. I've really enjoyed unveiling your content secret, strategy, process, whatever we want to call it, um, and really getting to know you in a – format outside of LinkedIn. It's super cool to actually be able to be face-to-face. So super excited to do more stuff with you and continue to build the relationship online and offline. So thank you so much again for your time. I know how valuable it is and how little of it you have.
0: Thank you, Melly. Honestly, I quite enjoyed it. As you, said, I mean, the hour just flew by. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. And all I hope is that people at least will get something valuable out of this. And I'm sure they will. Honestly, we talked about a lot of good stuff. So Thank you for the invite, and I'm free in these time slots to do it again sometime. So just let me know and we'll do it again.
1: I loved it. Thank you. Awesome. You are listening to Innovative Minds.